It's time to talk University of Richmond basketball. This is Behind the Web with head coach Chris Mooney, live from World of Beer Bar and Kitchen, 11,600 West Broad Street in Short Pump. Tonight's show is brought to you by CarMax, Lux Chevrolet, Bryant Heating and Cooling, Cornerstone Partners co-star group and Bon Secours Health System, and by Cabell Childress Group. Join in online anytime and be a part of the show with your questions and comments. Text 804-327-0888. Email behind the web at richmond.edu or on Twitter using at Spider Voice, at Richmond Athletics, or at ESPN Richmond. Now, here's the voice of the Spiders, Bob Black, with Coach Mooney. This is Behind the Web, presented by World of Beer on 1061 ESPN and the Spider Sports Network. Quinn now back out on the three-point line, but he's going to back Johns all the way down with the dribble. No double team coming, so he's going to go up with the right hand and put it in. 19 to tie his season high for Richmond for Neil Quinn. Yeah, he's just, just backing him in. Again, no one has been able to stop Neil Quinn. It's been very impressive. Here comes Burton to the front court. Here's top of the key from Grace. He'll take another three, and he hits another one. Grace down inside, kicks it to Nelson, top of the arc. Got to shoot with two. Bank it in! He banked in a three. Jason Nelson with the shot clock expiring, banked in a three-pointer from way outside. And with that, we welcome you inside World of Beer here in Short Pump. Bob Black with you on another Monday night. Not just another Monday night, but at least for now, the last Monday night for regularly scheduled behind-the-web programming for the 2022-2023 season. So we're glad you're with us. Everyone is in the house tonight. Another great crowd. And those of you listening on 106.1 ESPN and ESPNRichmond.com and RichmondSpiders.com. Thank you. Welcome to the program. Look forward to talking some spider basketball with everybody here for the next hour. Interim head coach Peter Thomas is alongside. Our special player guest tonight is senior Gabe Arizon. He'll join us here in the middle segments as well and we'd love for you to interact with us you heard the ways to do that just to refresh your memory 804-327-0888 is how you can text us behind the web at richmond.edu via email all right coach thomas you got uh, one full week in the books now one that went our way one that didn't go our way uh let me kind of give you a broad canvas here describe your first week now that it's in the books of being the interim head coach and, you know, the highs of St. Louis, the lows of ECU, and kind of everything in between. That, that is a good way to describe it, uh, the highs and the lows. And I think, um, <clears throat> you know, as, and as, as an assistant coach, um, you, you, you see the highs and lows that your head coach goes through, and you may not feel them. And then when you're sitting a, uh, you know, a seat over, it, it does feel a little bit different. You, it weighs on you a little bit more. And... Um, but I did think that, um, you know, we, we had a week that was going to be really, really tough um, no matter what. And to, to come out of that week with a split um, and to beat, you know, we played two of the top two. I guess St. Louis is tied for second right now. But to come out of that week with a, a tough road game and a, and a really tough home game with a split, um, we feel fortunate and felt like we, we played really, really well on Tuesday. And did some good things on Friday night, um, but certainly uh, certainly w weren't at our best for the whole game uh, down there on Friday. But um, I think that 
that you have to try to try to manage those highs and lows with your team and manage mm-hmm. them with yourself, uh, especially when uh, when um, you're, you're sitting a chair over. That's an interesting observation about managing the highs and lows with your team. And I would say, from my perspective, as long as Chris has been here, the highs and lows have been managed. Like, our players always seem to be able to manage them. Maybe that's Chris and his staff's taking care of that behind the scenes with the players i wonder kind of your perspective on that on on why there's kind of that that mental makeup of these guys that they don't seem to get too high too low and they press on to the next game ahead of them i think there's there's a couple things going on i think one i think coach mooney has always done a great job of keeping the big picture in mind and and just continuing to try to get better throughout the season uh whether you win a game you lose a game you try to treat them the same way Mm -hmm. try to learn from them Uh, obviously it's more fun to learn from a win than a loss Uh, but you try to learn uh, about your team a little bit make sure you get a little bit better and move on to the next one so that you're playing your best best basketball at the end of the year Um, but i also think that the coaches um, the highs and lows you experience are are a little different um, than sometimes the players. I think um, the players, you know, they're they're given everything for the game. But I, I have found um, the the longer I've been in coaching that, and I, I'm sure I was like this as a player and don't remember as much that that they move on pretty pretty well. Mm-hmm. Um, to the next thing you're, you're i think you're always a little bit more worried about how they're going to feel after a game a, a win being too high or a lose a loss being um too low and for the most part they're, they're able to move to the to the next thing pretty well and and maybe as coaches sometimes we worry a little bit more about them um than, than they're worried about it so I, I think that can be good and bad but for the most part uh, I think it's a good thing that they're able to move on to the next thing quickly. and um, But a lot of that's probably how Coach Mooney has approached it over the years, just learn from the game, move forward to the next one. It's funny you say it that way about worrying a little bit about the players and do they, you know, you know, they take a loss too hard. They, you know, get too excited about a win. And uh, as, even as broadcasters, like Greg Beck was here tonight, and we always talk about that after a game, like how are the players handling this? And, you know, what's it going to be like the next day and, and getting to the next practice? And they always seem, you know, pretty much ready to go, right? Definitely. And I think, I think that's almost the, the, the best thing is always getting back on the court. Whether it's a win and you need to get back on the court and kind of come come back down to reality or uh, it's a loss and you have to get back on the court to know, all right, we're, we're just moving forward. Like you kind of continue the routine. Um, and I always feel like, you know, as coaches, once we've had that next practice, that's when you're able to move on, um, at least mentally. You know, you have to move on in the game plan and, and the preparation, but you're kind of, after you've had that first practice, you just feel better about, okay, that everything's fine. We're, we're you know, we're, we're working on whatever we need to work on, um, but um, that game is now behind us where I think maybe the players come in and, and they're able to do it a little quicker than we are sometimes. So do you have that feeling right now coming in off of the Friday night game against VCU that everybody's back and zeroed in on – beginning preparation for St. Joe. Absolutely. I think it helps to have a little bit more time yeah. after this game. Um, at this point in the season, the, the the fact that we've had the bye week, now although in an emotional and felt like a lot more going on that in that week than, than normal, and it there certainly was, was <laughs> um, you know, having had Saturday off um, and then having to be 
a chance to be a little bit different on a Sunday rather than that be your off day and then have two more days. Not often do you have that kind of time, um, you know, coming on the heels of an off week. Uh, so I do think that um, having a little bit of time to process just everything that happened last week from the emotional uh, announcement of coach to an emotional win to an emotional rivalry, like that, there, that was a lot happening in about a span of eight or nine days. And I think just to have a little bit more time now has helped. And uh, practice was really good today. And it felt like, you know, the, the guys are getting ready for, for St. Joe's. Football coaches always talk about the 24-hour rule where they give, you know, it's much easier in football to do that than, than basketball because the games come much quicker. But you've got 24 hours when the game ends to either celebrate or mope around if you want. And then after that, you're you're moving forward. It's probably about an 18-hour rule for <laughs> basketball players. Although maybe in this case it was 24 because you did have the day off on yeah. Saturday, a little bit extra time. Um, let me go back to the St. Louis game. Let's talk about the good stuff. Um, for a moment, and we talked about this the other day, Peter, obviously 17 three-pointers is the easy answer as to why you won here, but Greg and I were talking about this. Here's St. Louis. They had a guy score 28 points, a guy get 14 rebounds, a guy get 17 assists. They shoot like 54% from the floor. They win the battle in the paint and fast break points, and they lose the game. How'd you guys do that? Other than 17 three-pointers, of course. Well, the 17 three-pointers had a lot to do with yes, it. Yes, it did. Um, a couple of banked three-pointers had That's something correct. to do with it. Yeah, um, good coaching. But I, I do think that the, you know, we were 7 of 21 in the first half uh, from three. And I thought we settled a little bit for those threes. Mm-hmm. And that was maybe a little bit earlier in the shot clock than, than we wanted to shoot. And that was what they were kind of conceding to us. But we maybe settled for those a little bit in the first half and i thought in the second half and even towards the end of the first half i thought we did a much better job attacking the rim and throwing the ball in to then have a a three-point look later in the game even though we ended up shooting 37 i thought our looks were much better in the second half and that started by getting to the rim getting fouled getting a couple of easy ones to where um the ball kind of went into out to to get a little bit better looks in the second half i think we shot what 10 of 16 10 in the of 16, second half. right so yeah. uh, didn't shoot quite as many and i thought they were higher quality looks um how about coming back from 15 down and just the kind of mental approach and attitude toward that um fortunately and unfortunately this team has been in that situation before this season and has made uh comebacks how about you know from 15 down to winning that game especially against a team as good as st louis that 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 is something that we have been very good at this year um, probably as as good of, at staying in a game like that as, as any team i've been involved with in a long time um you know from early in the year we were at charleston we were down yep. i think 20 plus mm-hmm. um came back and, and really had a chance to win that game we're up maybe five late in the game at william and mary we were down big came back and, and really had a chance to win that game against duquesne we were down big came out and won that game mm-hmm. um so I, it's it's happened multiple times this year and i think that that is one of the strengths of our team um that we're never really out of a game um and so there is when you've done that enough times there is a belief uh you know that one there's no panic because we've been in the situation before mm-hmm. and two there's a belief that we can come back and win because we have done it and uh did it again on on um on tuesday night and that was uh you know, credit to, uh, really to the older guys who, you know, there's not much 
rattling Matt Grace uh, or Tyler Burton or Andre at this point in their careers. Uh, and and they even if you look at some of the games maybe in the Atlantic 10 tournament last year where they were down big in big games, um, you know, they've just been in that situation enough and had success in that situation enough that there, there's no panic and they know that it's not about you know, getting it all back in one possession. It's just chipping away and, and, and finding a way to stay in the game and, and eventually overtaking someone. I know what Tyler Burton obviously did to help the cause there. I thought Matt Grace was somewhat of an unsung hero. Hard to say that for a guy who scores 18 points, but still uh, kind of got lost in the headline of the young guy, right? I mean, Jason Nelson really stepped up. What What's kind of the impact of that, Peter? I mean, he'd been struggling, obviously. Just look at his numbers in A-10 games, and you can tell um, he's not where he was earlier in the year. But for him to score 17 in the second half alone, the bank shot, of course, you know, everybody's thrilled with that he was too but to do what he did throughout that entire second half i think it's really good for his confidence first of all um he's he's a very talented player um he's been a very confident player at times this year and i think he started off the year i think against northern iowa he had a heck of a game um and had some really good games early and then like a lot of freshmen um he hit a bit of a wall where there's going to be some struggles. Now the scouting report is out on you, uh, which way you like to drive, how yeah. well do you shoot. Um, you know, so I think that happens a lot of freshmen as they come in and they can have an impact early because they're a little bit of an unknown. And then as the year goes on, now the scouting report's out. Now it's harder to get to do what you like to do. And that's where you kind of have to push through and figure out how you're going to make an impact on a game um, when when – the defense is, is a little bit more zeroed in on you. And I thought he really was able to do that in that game and uh, just saw a little bit more of his aggression, a little bit more of his confidence out there. And, you know, a little bit of luck always uh, always can help the confidence too. Yeah. So, um, you know, re really excited for him and, and hopefully that can kind of propel him to have a, a good finish to the season here. Great to see a smile on his face after the Absolutely. game, certainly on the, on the court as, as we talk to him. Uh, quick comment on on VCU, you alluded to it earlier, and then we'll get our break in, and Gabe Arison will join us here in the in the middle middle segments. And we talked about this post game a little bit. Up 17 to 11, you know, felt felt pretty good at that point, and as you said, did some good things. What were kind of those good things, and then what kind of transpired after that from a coach's coach's eyes that allowed VCU to kind of make that run that they did? Well, I thought we came out and were confident and aggressive and throwing the ball in and taking care of the ball. Um, all the things that we had kind of talked about doing to, to be in the game. Um, I thought Tyler came out and he, he looked he looked like he was about to have a game. Uh, he, he made his first three in transition. He had an unbelievable drive on the on the baseline. He scored in the post. So he was kind of scoring in a lot of different ways and and was just kind of oozing with confidence. And then he gets two fouls, um, you know, with I think about 15 and a half minutes yeah. left. And we knew we couldn't have him out the whole game, um, or at least the whole rest of the half. So we tried to manage his minutes a little bit. Mm. But that's difficult. That's mm. difficult to stay in rhythm when you're coming in and out of the game. And, and you know, you have two fouls. It takes away a little bit of his aggression. Um, so I thought that was difficult. And then we've, we've really rebounded on the defensive end well all year. And... That was probably our worst game uh, from from that standpoint. Now, Tyler has a lot to do with our defensive rebounding, so there, there's probably uh, some correlation there. Um, 
but to give up 13 offensive rebounds, I thought we, we kind of survived it early. But then they're, they're the kind of team that if you, if you give up those offensive rebounds uh, over and over, eventually they're going to capitalize on it. And they had a couple of uh, highlight-type plays that, mm-hmm. that they really thrive off of that I thought um, got the momentum going the wrong way. And then, you know, it always helps to make shots, and we probably didn't shoot as well as, as we needed to to, to to stop runs. And then we had a chance where we got fouled and didn't, didn't score. Right. So, um, you know, I thought, I thought we, we started off the game well. Um, and and just too many too many errors to to be in the game like we wanted to at halftime. Highlight for the Spiders though, Neil Quinn has certainly figured it out when teams don't double him when they play one on one. He really is oozing with confidence with what he can do now, right? He he is. Um, I mean, he's he's really, and we say it every game. Um, if you put together a highlight of what Neil Quinn has done and just individual plays, there are not many seven-footers in the country who can do some of the things he can do, um, whether it's a spin from the top of the key to go dunk, um, some of the passes he can make, and then the array of post moves he has uh, uh, with the ball in his hands, and he can really dribble down there. And I think what makes him unique is he's a seven-footer who can catch the ball at 16 feet and dribble himself all the way to the rim uh and if you don't double him um he, he's going to be able to get his shots off now he was able to score against vcu against a good defense but i think they were probably a little worried about the three-point shooting after we had made 17 against st louis and, and didn't want to mm-hmm. give that up and so neil had space and when he has space and is aggressive um he, he, he's really something and he he should be super confident uh, heading into the stretch run here. Yeah, that's exciting for sure. Hey, last thought on VCU from a personal front. I want you to relate the story that you kind of told to me the other day because I forgot about this. Probably didn't remember it from, from last year. We were sitting in the Robbins Center Friday for shoot-around, and I said to you, well, it's been a while since you've been, been in the Siegel Center for this rivalry, and you went, ah, oh, not quite that long as you might expect. Tell our audience about that. Um, sure. So I, I haven't been there for the rivalry in quite, quite some time, but uh, coaching uh, for Campbell University last year, we did have a, uh, a game that we went down there. I think it was early December last year, um, and uh, we took our team down there and, and um, played really, really well. And I think we, we started off the game up to like 20 to 4 um, and uh, ended up losing the game by 4. Um, but um, played played really well, and so um, that was that was the last time I was in there before Friday night. But I thought it was really interesting what you were telling me. You were really hyping up the Siegel Center, understandably oh, yeah. so, to your Campbell players, right? And then they got in there, and you know it was a good home court, but they weren't quite as impressed as you led them on to believe. Sure. So I, I I tried to warn the guys that, that this would be a raucous crowd and it would be um, you know one of the best atmospheres they'd been in and and we got down there. I think it wasn't quite a sellout, but pretty close. And uh, it was loud and there was a good atmosphere. Certainly helped that we started off the game so well to to keep that under control. Um, but there's, uh, I think there's a little different level of intensity for a, a Richmond game, um, <laughs> which, which I experienced as both a player and coach. And, and uh, again, Friday night, the, 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 uh, the emotion's a little bit higher for the, for the rivalry. Yeah, I think that's, we, we all knew that, right? That Campbell VCU, Richmond VCU, all due respect, obviously, to Coach McGee and you guys at Campbell, 
is really good, but a little different. Absolutely. Out there for Absolutely. Sure. All right. All right. Let's get a break in here. Gabe Arizon will join us next. Spider Senior uh, is going to be with us this evening, 804-327-0888. If you'd like to text us and behind the web at richmond.edu via email. Back with more behind the web from World of Beer in a moment on 1061 ESPN. You up to date with Richmond basketball. This is Behind the Web from World of Beer, 11,600 West Broad Street on 1061 ESPN. From Playfly, this is the Spider Sports Network. And just in case we run out of time before 7 o'clock with this being our last regularly scheduled show, thanks and a great shout out to our folks here at World of Beer who have taken care of us uh, each week during the college basketball season. Our servers have worked really hard to keep everybody happy and get their food and, and drinks and take care of us up here as well. So big shout out to those folks. We really appreciate them all season long. And tonight we really appreciate Gabe, Gabe Arizon being with us tonight. The senior from Philly going to go back home this week, have a little bit of a homecoming Wednesday night. We'll talk about that in a little bit uh, with Gabe. How are you, my friend? Welcome back, right? Yeah, thanks for having me back on. I'm, I'm doing well. You Not think everybody bad. remembers the last time? No, I would. It was right before uh, COVID. And <laughs> as we said during the break, my first radio appearance might have shut the world down. You know? <laughs> All right, you're one for one on jokes. The only so, one I got. nope. Let, we're gonna we're gonna keep that going. So that was your freshman year, right? Correct. Yeah. How different a perspective of college basketball and Richmond basketball do you have from that radio appearance to this radio appearance? Yeah, I think it's a full 180 turn of what I was then to what I am now, just perspective-wise. Because I came in as a freshman with obviously Jacob and Grant, two titans of Richmond basketball, if you will. And now perspective's changed. Every team we play, like, these guys do the same thing as us. They work hard. Everybody on our team, I, I feel, see myself more as a peer now to what I was then. What did last year mean to you and that, you know, run in D.C. and then obviously the run in Buffalo as well? Uh, I felt that was three years coming or two and a half years work. My freshman year, I felt we got robbed. Obviously, a lot of people feel that as well. Then the year before, it was so unordinary. Like, I felt we were better than we, we ended up being. And then last year, it finally came to fruition, which was awesome. A lot of hard work, a lot of time, a lot of great players. How long did that canceled year right there at the A-10 tournament kind of stick in your guys' gut? Was there a lot of conversation about, hey, we got we got to find a way to make up for that? It wasn't obviously anybody's fault that it happened. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't see a reason it didn't stay with us until – winning it last year obviously i personally i think i still do carry our key card from the a10 tournament that first year that says a10 tournament on it in my wallet now wow because it was if yeah it felt like we were robbed of something that we could do special wow that that's really interesting keep it there as good motivation for this year too we'll come full circle on that one going back up there here in, in another week or so so those were some of the highs i mean nobody could have imagined that that you guys would experience what you did in the past two weeks and i just wonder from your perspective when you sat down with coach mooney for that meeting you know how blindsided you were what the emotion was kind of like for you guys and especially for you Gabe because you know you're one of those guys that's been around him for four years yeah it was it was certainly super emotional uh, I don't know if anybody had an inkling of what the meeting was about I initially just thought we were watching film of LaSalle which could have yeah it, we maybe should have watched film on LaSalle but um, yeah it was really emotional um, we went to dinner that fall or that night and we got a little bit of time with him before he stepped away 
But I think um, Coach Thomas, uh, Coach Borden, and Coach Guype have done a great job to step up in their positions. They've been almost coachable as coaches. Like, they've reached out to us as players and asked for our perspective on things. Um, like, maybe even leaned on us, which I think is an awesome quality in a coach. Shows that they're imperfect, but they're learning, and they want the best for us. Uh, let me slide in a quick update here, because a lot of you have asked. You know the said surgery was scheduled for last Tuesday and got postponed. And as far as we know, it is on for tomorrow, right, Peter? Uh, yes. Any update from that perspective? But it, but it is scheduled for tomorrow, and I'm sure you have been in touch with Chris. Yeah, we, we've talked, and he, he is scheduled for tomorrow uh, morning. So um, obviously we're all thinking about him and, and his family, um, and um, hope all goes well. Absolutely. What does Gabe Arison bring to the table? for you guys um you know has been a walk-on for four years he has absolutely been a leader of the scout team um every time i walk in the gym he's making a shot from somewhere on the court he does do that yes he, he, he does, does. Do that. and he does People let, don't believe me in that either but i'm telling you and, and he also lets everybody know that he made the shot which <laughs> good is which is good yes. so um, uh no gabe's been um you know as a, as a former walk-on myself right um you know i i I know the value of, of what Gabe does. Um, we every every time we come to do a scout, Gabe, this is what we're doing. This is what we're going to try to do. He's the point guard, ninety percent of the time, because usually that's the guy that a lot of times is the best player on the other team, and then also um, is is making sure everything runs the right way on on the scout. And even when he's not the point guard, uh, he's kind of the leader of the scout team, um, and he's done an excellent job uh, of that this year. You know, I don't know how he was. Uh, in previous years, but um, he's done an excellent job making sure that the scout is organized. They know what they're doing. That's such an important part of our preparation. Um, and then he is also a, a great help with the referees. Uh, <laughs> 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 um, but he's, you know, like um, as much as he helps us in practice, he, he's just um, he's all in. The guys love him. Uh, he, he keeps everything. He keeps the mood light, um, and he, he's just got a great personality and, and um, certainly a, a big part of our team. Well, I'll keep the mood light then. How so do you help with the referees, Gabe? <laughs> Make sure they're well refreshed at timeout, see if they need water or towel, perhaps. <laughs> and maybe a little bit of encouragement for the perhaps. team in white or blue or red. Perhaps. Yeah. perhaps. <laughs> <laughs> What's it like on the end of the bench down there? I mean, you've experienced a lot because we had, you know, the year where we had the five of you because of the COVID year. You've got, you know, two others uh, down at the end of the bench with you now. What What is kind of that environment like with you guys um it could get intense sometimes but there's also times where we're speaking to each other about what we may see to what we want to say to the guys at the next time out you know like if quentin or liam or or modred see anything we're gonna we're gonna tell them at the time out because we want to help the team in this situation any way we can have you um, fully embraced kind of the Jordan Gately role during the timeouts with, with this team? Has he did he pass the torch to you so you could you could do that? Yeah, it wasn't a formal uh, torch passing. <laughs> no ceremony, no, yeah, no, not ceremonial like the Olympics. But yeah. Uh, it was yeah. I think what he did when he started doing that last year was awesome because, like, when the coaches aren't in the huddle during the timeout, there's usually nothing, just dead air. Everybody catching their breath. So something has to be said whether it's what do you guys see out there great play great switch or that wasn't what we were doing there like keep your head in it something should be said mm -hmm. and sometimes it's not even myself talking like 
I'm just there as kind of an impetus to get them to talk to each other, you know, because it's, it's more comfortable, I'd say, with me in there than nobody. Go back to practice then. Um, you know, how have you embraced that role? That's a really difficult role to have. And, you know, with every game, you're learning somebody else's offense. I know you've been around for a while now. So from an Atlantic 10 standpoint, you probably do know some of the schemes of the teams that we're playing. But just to embrace what it is that you do to help this team. Yeah, it, it is kind of selfless work, I guess. I'm kind of taking some credit for it. But that's what you have to do in the position and uh, you kind of also have to be a heel in practice. Like, if I beat somebody, I'm going to let them know because even the guy on the other team is certainly going to be better than me. So what you did just isn't good enough. Int that, that's a really interesting way to put that. Can you remember your approach when you were a, a walk-on, Pete? I mean, yours was, yours was a little different because playing time was, was there for the taking on, on those teams, if I remember correctly. It was. I, I think I was the only – my freshman year, I was – I was the only full-time walk-on. Oh, hmm. um, I forget. Uh, Stacy Tut was a walk-on, uh, but he kind of was in and out with all of his uh, pretty good football muscles yeah. and football. <laughs> um, and uh, but I think I was the only full-time walk-on, so it was a little bit different. But I certainly was on the scout team, and and the approach was just whatever coach says, just do, go as hard as you can, um, and, and that's what I did. And, and Coach Wainwright certainly valued what, what I could do, which was defend um, and, and dive on the floor. And, mm -hmm. and, and he'd throw me into a couple of games. You know, I think I played in 18 games as a freshman. It was only for a minute or two at a time. But um, I knew if the ball was on the floor, it didn't matter how far away it was, I was going <laughs> to dive on it. So that was kind of my role um, as a freshman. But then certainly had a chance to play um, as I got a little bit older. Mm -hmm. So Coach Mooney talks all the time about the importance of the walk-on program. And I think that's kind of what he calls it. And then in the next breath, we don't treat them any differently than the scholarship player. Is that kind of kind of makes sense that there is, you know, an importance to the, the walk-on program, but once you're there, you're part of the program just like any other player. Right. Now, last year was a little bit um, unique and because of the extra year for Correct. everybody. Yeah. And everything. So we had more walk-ons, but we, we – typically try to limit the number of walk-ons because of that reason hmm. you know we don't we're not going to take six seven eight walk-ons um because that's too many to have be full members of sure. the team um so that is the philosophy you want guys to come in and and I, gabe has done this from the time i walked on campus back in may to now he's gotten a lot better um and i think that's that's something that we that coach mooney does a great job of is he demands the same of the walk-ons as he would tyler burton um and demands that they know the offense that they know how we're playing defense that they're getting better that they're getting in the gym that they're working in the weight room and those guys do get a lot better and then that's why a guy like gabe can be here in his senior year and you know, giving some of our, some of our guys work in, no, uh, in practice, letting them know them, about trust it. Trust me, I've seen it. He's letting them know about it yep. and uh, and really challenging <laughs> them to be better players. Um, so I think that it's it's such an important role on our team, and and Gabe has filled that uh, wonderfully. Where are you guys at right now, Gabe? This has been an up and down year. Obviously, the record indicates just at 500, a little bit below, with two more to go. Where? Where are you guys at as we go into the last week of the regular season? Um, I think we feel pretty good. We've got, obviously, a big opportunity going up to Philly this week, playing a team we haven't played uh, this year, who obviously beat us at our place last year in a, in a kind of bad fashion. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. we should be taking that personally. Um, I think the most important thing we could do as a team is stay together because these are trying times, really. There's, there's no book on what to do now. 
So we have to stay together, do everything we can do, let the pieces fall, and then just after we get these two games, look up to Brooklyn. How much did it help to get that game Tuesday night and the way we got that game? Yeah, that was a super emotional win, obviously. It, was, uh, it made the week a whole lot easier. It made even going into Friday easier. But, yeah, it was, I thought Coach Thomas coached an awesome game. The guys really trusted him, stood behind him. We even said in the locker room before the game, hey, this week's been super weird, super out of the ordinary. But the one thing that's going to be ordinary is the 40 minutes on the basketball court. You're playing a game. That should be normal. What was the post-game locker room like? Oh, exciting. <laughs> super exciting. Yeah. yeah. He came out drenched. So yeah, I assume you guys had a little an wet. impromptu shower for him. Correct. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Let's take a break. We'll come back on the other side more with Gabe and uh, his family basketball and athletic prowess. Um, that we always bring up when we talk with Gabe. We'll do that after the break, a little bit past halfway through the program. Take you up to 7 o'clock tonight with Behind the Web, live from World of Beer here in Short Pump on 1061 ESPN. You up to date with Richmond basketball. This is Behind the Web from World of Beer, 11,600 West Broad Street on 1061 ESPN. From Playfly, this is the Spider Sports Network. Welcome back. Bob Black back with you with interim head coach Peter Thomas. Gabe Arizon is our special player guest, the Spider uh, senior. Let's uh, get into a little off the court with you, uh, Gabe. And I guess any discussion of your family and basketball begins with your grandfather. Your, your dad obviously uh, played as well at, at LaSalle and at William & Mary, but the, the legacy of your grandfather, I just wonder, as you've gotten older, how much you have come to appreciate everything that he did as Peter and I were, were talking 10-time All-Star in the NBA. Yeah, uh, as I've matured the and grown up, I guess, the accolades become even more outstanding because when I was young, I just, oh, he's in the Hall of Fame. I didn't really comprehend what that meant at the time. This is awesome. But, um, but yeah, as I've grown older, realizing what he's done is incredible. And really, like, from his journey, his story, it's really inspiring. Sort of a walk-on point of view. Hmm. Is there a lot of basketball talk in, in your family? There was um, when I was growing up, but there was never pressure for me to, like, play basketball, love basketball. That was something I put on myself and learned to love myself. But, uh, yeah, we, we talked about it a good bit in high school, college basketball. My dad's always got something to say now. If you've seen him in a game, <laughs> I run into him. Uh, and LaSalle is one of the places he played. Yes, he did. Yeah, that'd be a tough one to swallow there last week. Yeah, sorry about that one. That, that's why you should have been watching more film. That's what you were saying <laughs> on that one. Now, it's not just your dad and your grandfather, but when we go to Philly on Wednesday night, there's a guy who's going to be wearing the St. Joe's uniform also, right? Yep, that would be my cousin Chris. Yep. Huh. How, how does that kind of relationship go between the two of you guys? Um, it's it's kind of awesome, really. Chris and I grew up together. He's a year younger than me. We played high school basketball together at St. Joe's Prep mm -hmm. in Philly. So him and I are naturally super close being family and being so close in age. So there's been there's been some trash talk between the two of us, between <laughs> myself, my brother, and him, his brother, his sister. We're really happy to have you down south, down here, 
But was there any thought that you might do that and just stay in the Philly area at one of the, you know, big five schools or whatever? I, I never really wanted to be too close to home. Just I, I've never really came down to Virginia, never was out of the house much. So I wanted, I wanted something different, and I thought Richmond was, well, after my visit, I knew I wanted to come here. But the perfect distance from home as well. The parents could pop in, but they weren't there every weekend. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What, will, uh, what will Wednesday be like here? Last last trip to Philly for you. Uh, I'm excited. Yeah, there's there's been talk of T-shirts being made. Arrows in bold, 2023. A <laughs> uh, lot, lot of family and friends will be there. My my two best buddies from childhood go to St. Joe's, so they'll be there as well. I'm, yeah, it'll be super fun for me. Uh, on a little bit more of a serious note, you alluded to this in the last segment. Last year did not go well for the Spiders against St. Joe. The year ended really well for the Spiders. Um, how much are you guys, particularly who were here last year, talking about that are you kind of letting some of the other guys know obviously neil and jason isaiah weren't weren't a part of that last year so um i actually wasn't at that game i had covid at home i got covid christmas eve so luckily i wasn't at that game i had to watch it on tv which was probably worse than being there because you can't do anything in that moment but yeah it's it still stings that's no you don't want to let anybody on your home court beat you like that so we talked about it a little bit of practice today these guys are confident. They they play confident, and we can't let what they did last year happen again this year. Peter, as a as a coach, is there a fine line there between doing that and then just zero, you know, focusing in on on this year and just taking care of business now? I mean, the motivation is there from last year, but you know, eventually it's going to come down to the X's and O's this year. I think you. It's not ever a. a a issue to remind the guys of of what happened in a previous game mm-hmm. or a in a previous year but at the same time you don't want to have to try to find an emotional reason to win each game a, a, a motivation outside of we want to be the best team that we can be and and we want to win the next game because mm. i think if you you start using those things too often you're 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 you may be making up some stuff uh as you, <laughs> as you go forward but i do think it is important to to remind guys of of um things that happened in the past to, to help them maybe have a little bit more juice going into a game but at the same time uh the game last year is going to have just about nothing to do with right. the game this year. Mm-hmm. Um, different players, different venue, um, different styles in some ways. Um, so while, while you do remind them, it's, you, you don't want to harp on it too long, I don't think. And, Gabe, you are a true Philly fan, right? Correct, yes. Not like when Mike Walls was here. and we, <laughs> we learned that he lives in Philly, but he's not much of a Philly fan. I was so disappointed by that, but not in your case, right? Yep. Okay, good. So you're all, all about yeah, Philly. Yeah, the Philly, Philly sports teams have taken, I'd say, 10 to 15 years off of my life. And <laughs> Tell me about it. <laughs> I got a lot more losses than you do being from Philly. That's, that's for sure. All right, so that's, that's Wednesday in Philly. I'm going to kind of break the golden rule a little bit here and go pat, jump past a game. What's Saturday going to be like for you, senior day, last home game, and obviously not only for you but, but the other guys who will be honored before the game on senior day? I've honestly really tried not to think about it because I think it will be emotional. Like, I've loved it here. I don't want to think about it coming to an end. So I've kind of pushed it off. Like, I haven't even I, – I assume the coaches have told my parents and my parents are coming, but I haven't, like, <laughs> asked when they're getting here or anything because I really don't want it to end. We don't, we don't either. I get what you're saying. I really do. So I'll, I'll stop asking questions um, like that 
other than, than one more, have you thought beyond that? I mean, that's going to be an emotional day, but life is going to go on. What, what do you, what's life going to bring for Gabe Harrison? Any idea uh, yet? I'm still looking for jobs, really. I would like to move back home to Philly, but, again, I'm not pinpoint on that really anywhere that I find something that I love doing. Mm-hmm. What's the uh, what's the academic pathway been like for you? I'm a, I'm a finance major, so that's been good. I think it's super interesting. I, I like math, so I think that's a good spot for me. Yep, absolutely. Well, this has been a great spot for you, and we've loved uh, having you here and everything that you've contributed. I appreciate you coming back for a, a cameo appearance here tonight. Thank you. Gabe Arizon, everyone. Thank you. And we'll take a timeout. One more break. Uh, come back with Coach Thomas, and we will look ahead and get some X's and O's on the St. Joe's game when we wrap up Behind the Web from World of Beer after the break on 106 on ESPN. Richmond basketball. This is Behind the Web from World of Beer, 11,600 West Broad Street on 1061 ESPN. From Playfly, this is the Spider Sports Network. Uh, final segment of the show this evening and as we've been saying our final regularly scheduled uh, show of the year the spiders one way or the other will either be in brooklyn or heading to brooklyn on um, on monday night next week and of course we'll keep you posted if there are additional shows to be added later down the road so i couldn't let the opportunity pass also in the house with us tonight is my broadcast partner and great friend greg beckwith hall of famer spider hall of famer hello Coach Thomas has already said, Bob, I'm tired of you asking so many questions. So, Greg, fire away. You got Coach Pete, as we like to call him. Well, I was just asking him. You probably asked him. But just the mental aspect of the game for the players and how they respond back and, and the practice level. Uh, you talk about the practices and how they start preparing right now for the, for the last two games. Well, the, the, the guys have been unbelievable in this situation. I think um, – you know, I've been, and our staff has been really lucky um, that although we're, you know, directing practice and coming up with a practice plan, um, you know, there's there's a formula in place for for how we how we've gone about things. Certainly, we've made tweaks to things to to account for Coach Mooney's absence. But um, you know, I think at a lot of places, uh, guys may look at the the interim head coach and and decide, well, I'm not going to do. <laughs> what you say the head coach isn't here and and there's been none of that uh the guys are kind of all holding each other accountable and um have, have really been about as enthusiastic and energetic in practice as as we could have hoped what about the seniors and the veteran players and you know it was a tough luck game the other night against vcu do you lean on those guys to to get rally the troops and get ready for the next couple games absolutely um just because they've been through so much. Um, Matt Grace, Tyler Burton, Andre Gustafson, they, they, they've been through all the highs and lows that you've been through by the time you're a senior, and, you know, Andre and Matt for five years. Uh, and they've been through, you know, some highs and lows that are a little different than, than, than other, um, you know, other normal college careers with the COVID year and the NCAA tournament getting canceled um, and, you know, all the – the the emotions of last year and, and and I think actually their their freshman year was really a tough year, um, so they they've kind of been through the through everything and they're they're great resources for us as a coaching staff to lean on and, and to help keep the team kind of moving in the right direction and, and you know Matt's probably 
Matt and Goose, but Matt in particular, are just, you know, nothing rattles Matt. And w whether you win an emotional game against St. Louis or, you know, lose a tough one down at VCU on Friday, um, Matt's going to be the same guy in practice the next day. And whether Coach Mooney's there or, uh, you know, he's hearing my voice, um, he's, he's, he's kind of our steady, steady guy. And, and so leaning on him to just make sure that the other guys are, know that, hey, this is how it goes. You're going to have ups, you're going to have downs, but it's going to be how you respond in the next game. Tell us a little bit about St. Joe's coming up on, uh, on Wednesday night. Eric Reynolds, prolific scorer, obviously averaging, I think, right about the same as Tyler Burton out, about 19 points per game. And they're a very prolific offensive team, right? They can really score. You can look up at halftime uh, in any one of their games, and they could have 50 points. Um, they, they just they play – uh, loose they play free they play with a lot of confidence um, and they play pretty quick They're a little different from st louis or vcu where i think both those teams are excellent in transition uh, i don't think st joe's although they are good in transition that's they're, they're not playing a quick tempo as much because they push the ball up the floor so fast they're just willing to take quick shots uh, because they have talented guys who can get shots off quickly um, within their half court sets and, and they have a lot of freedom to do that um, so any of those three guards between um, Brown and Greer and, and uh, Reynolds, um, they, they're all capable of 20-plus point games, and um, that, that really makes them, them difficult to guard. Hey, I, I want both of you guys to go back and speak to this from, from this past week. You mentioned two really challenging opponents in St. Louis and VCU, probably the two premier point guards in the league that we had to play last week in Yuri Collins and then Ace Baldwin on Friday. And, Beck, you made the comment the other night. Both great, but differing styles, right? Well, yeah, when you look at Yuri Collins, he's a guy that just gets everyone else involved. Uh, he looks for assists first. He's not a shooter, per se. So he gets everyone involved, and he really makes great decisions with the basketball. When you look at Ace, Ace will do that as well, but he's looking to score off of those pick and rolls, and he's more aggressive on the offensive end. So he's a tougher matchup, per se, from a scoring standpoint. But both are very effective for their team, so they look to make sure everyone's included, engaged, and then when Ace needs to score, he can go and score. Yuri's usually looking for someone else, but he can score when he needs to as well. So they're both really, really talented and very athletic point guards. Two, two really big-time challenges for our backcourt the last couple of games, huh? It has been, and um, uh, I think that's that's something that hopefully will give our guys confidence moving forward with, you know, whoever we've played. We've played, um, you know, especially when we play these last two games, like we're not going to play guys better than those two uh, in the Atlantic 10, and really they're, they're not too many in the country better than those two as far as individual um, players. So having had the experience of played against those guys and had some success um, hopefully gives our guys confidence uh, down the stretch here. Well, when you, when you lose a game, it's very tough to find some positives out of that. But talk about some of the positives you saw after watching film after the VCU game that you can carry on to St. Joe's. I think the, the most obvious positive was Neil Quinn. Um, just the fact that he was able to, against a very, very good defense, uh, you know, know that if, if – and they tried a couple of different guys on him. Johns was on him. Uh, Deloach was on him. Um, you know, two different kind of defenders that, but if he can get the ball and they're not going to double, like he really has the confidence that he can go score. And we're telling him to do that, that he has to be aggressive. And, and I think 
it's maybe taken him a little bit um, to get comfortable with, with everything we're doing. But at this point in the season, I think he's gotten to where he has been much, much more aggressive. He's getting a lot more shots up. And he just draws so much attention. Um, and he's so important for us because uh, Tyler gets so much of the attention of scouting reports. If Neil can take a little bit off of him, now that frees up Tyler to do a little bit just have a little bit uh, more open looks and so i thought neil was probably the biggest positive we took out of that but um i also thought tyler although he got in foul trouble early i, I thought i saw as he started that game uh a different level of confidence than maybe he had had before the st louis game uh, i thought he came out and really if he doesn't get two fouls i thought he was on his way to a, a heck of a game uh, his first three moves were one was a pull up in transition one was a baseline um incredible reverse layup finish and one was in the post like he kind of scored in all three different ways and I thought he was about to go into a big game but I just saw a confidence in him going into that game that maybe I hadn't seen as much recently so those are two positives and I think the other guy that has been had a great week uh, even though you know his numbers weren't as good at VCU I, I still felt like there was a different level of confidence out there for him and aggressiveness was Jason Nelson uh, he was excellent breaking the press uh, the entire game I mean a large uh, a large reason why we only had 11 turnovers uh, which was a big emphasis for us going into the game um, and so I, I think he's you know those, those three guys in particular in that game I feel should feel individually at least pretty good coming out absolutely um got to wrap it up we're just about uh, out of time let's get a couple of wins this week at uh, st joe on wednesday and home against george mason on uh, on saturday afternoon really appreciate you sitting in that chair the last couple of shows i'll bet that was a little easier than moving over the one chair on the bench but you did a great job here the last couple well of weeks, thank you right? bob i appreciate it absolutely so we'll see you in philly on uh, on wednesday everyone thank you so much for being here tonight and all season long as well again thanks to our our servers and our staff here at world of beer beck thanks appreciate you popping by uh, we'll be on the air at 6.30 on Wednesday night. Game is at 7. It is on Masson 2 here in the Philadelphia area with the St. Joe's guys, Matt Martucci and Joe Lenardi. I think you've probably heard of Joey Brackets. He'll be on the call on the TV you've side on Wednesday night. So long, everyone. World of Beer Bar and Kitchen, 11,600 West Broad Street, featuring head men's basketball coach Chris Mooney. Tonight's show has been brought to you by CarMax, Lux Chevrolet, Bryant Heating and Cooling, Cornerstone Partners co-star group and Bon Secours Health System and by Cabell Childress Group. Join us throughout the college basketball season for Behind the Web presented by World of Beer in Short Pump. Thanks for listening and stay in touch with Richmond Athletics on the flagship station of the Spider Sports Network, ESPN Richmond. Executive producer Mitchell Bradley. This has been a presentation of Playfly Sports in association with Richmond Sports Properties.